Good day, good day, good day, everyone. Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, the Pete the Planner show. Welcome. It's a it's a big day. Why? Well, uh, this was one of the crazier uh, weeks in the history of the stock market, if I'm being honest with you. That sounds like hyperbole. It is not. Every Friday, there he is. Every Friday on Facebook, uh, Damien Dunn, no relation, and me, Peter Dunn, get together and we talk about uh, stuff. Here's the thing, though. It's a radio show. We're actually recording our radio show. The sh this show is a show behind the show. Dame, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Small Pete. Oh, good morning. Uh, a lot of the regulars are making their way in on Facebook Live and YouTube Live right now. Hello to all of you. Um, so, Dame, this entire episode is dedicated to the chaos that is GameStop, Robinhood, and it's going to feel like 34 minutes of I told you so, but I promise you. <laughs> It is. Jameson Schuler joins us from Texas. Hello, Jameson. A, the uh, what do we call him? The Lifetime Achievement Award Best Listener. There's Danza Listener of the Year in 2020 has joined the show too. Jameson sent me a message saying that his son Lincoln still listens to the show. So that's good. We've not scared off a teen from our things. Uh, and of course, we'd like to thank uh, Betty White. The Betty White, not the other Betty White. The Betty White, the younger Betty White for her promotion of the show this week we really appreciate it yeah. dame let's just start the show because I'm, I'm so excited i just got to do this you know what i mean how, how many cups of coffee have you had since we talked this morning i have my wife mrs planner as she's called in the biz was uh we, i was just in the room and she's like you are shot out of a cannon today <laughs> she's like here at a nine if we can make it to a two that'd be fantastic hello mike good to see you all right grant hello to you uh dame let's start the show in three right. two one this week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here is how the show works. Typically, you email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And, you know, we wax poetically about your question. Sometimes we answer it. Sometimes we just giggle. But today we do none of those things because today this entire episode is dedicated to the chaos that was the GameStop, AMC, Robinhood, Hedge Fund, Two American economies catastrophe that was this last week of January 2021. Well, joining me as always, uh, Damian Dunn, uh, no relation. Hello, Dame. Pete, I checked our contract. We are contractually obligated to provide some giggles. Oh, we well, we will certainly do that. So, Dame, here's what we're going to do on the show today. We are going to explain from a technical situation what happened with the GameStop and why it's going crazy and why Robin Hood broke. Then we're going to play my favorite game, win, lose, or jail. And we're going to talk about each entity as it relates to this situation. And will they come out a winner in the end, a loser, or will they actually be in a federal penitentiary? Uh, so that's a lot of fun. So, Dame, let's begin with what actually happened. It all begins with the esoteric uh, financial industry technique of short selling. And Dame, that's that's where it got off track real fast. Yeah, uh, some people uh, or organizations made some really big bets that uh, the stocks they were betting on, GameStop, uh, AMC, whatever the case may be, were going to suffer. They were going to go down. And based on business models and current climates, those might have been very reasonable assumptions to make. However, they might have gotten ahead of themselves a little bit in a couple of cases. 
Yeah, the, what's interesting specifically about GameStop, and we can't look past it because that it is the fundamental part of the story here. Not a healthy business, and I say that respectfully. It's a brick and mortar store where it's essentially blockbuster, you know, where there's a new way to deliver that content and they're going to get hung out to dry. So, so a, a lot of financial analysts said, look, we are, we are bearish on them. You should sell their holdings if you have them. And of course, some hedge funds, some institutional investors said, Hey, we'll do you one better. We're going to sell them short. We're going to borrow shares of GameStop from someone else, GameStop from someone else. Then we're going to sell those shares and of course, we have to give those shares back at some point in time. So we'll just watch it fall. And when it falls and it's lower, we'll buy back at a lower price. We'll give those shares back and we will keep the difference. And that is short selling. That's how it works. In fact, the lower it goes, the better for the people who short sell, right? Absolutely. Dame, the danger in this, of course, is what if all the analysts were wrong that this brick and mortar store, this blockbuster for 2021, what if? it actually skyrocketed. What would happen to the people who had short positions? They would be in a world of trouble, Pete. And that is because they have to, they have to make margin calls. They, they have to be able to, uh, the people they borrowed money from, they have to say, okay, well, oh, 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 we're in trouble. We, we need to put down more collateral uh, to make this loan of the shares continuously legitimate. Well, this is where this, this is not where I don't understand. This is where maybe some of the nuance of the story gets lost on me. This information was made public, uh, who had short positions and, and a group of folks on Reddit decided, Hey, you know what? We can stick it to these people. And we believe we're going to be able to profit in the process. So Dame, is it your understanding that this was sort of an activist move in the first place, or was it more of an investment decision by this group of people on Reddit specifically. Do you have any insight on that? I think when it started back in 2019, it was maybe a handful of people that were trying to make profits off of small moves in, in the stock on a day in, day out, week in, week out basis. And then they started noticing that some of the fundamentals were a little askew, that uh, there were more shares outstanding that had been shorted than were actually available in the market. And they saw their opportunity and they took it. All the tools have been given to them and they had a lot of money in, amongst a, a, you know, millions of people that, that uh, could potentially do this. And so, you know what, we're going to put a squeeze on them because there's nothing they can do about it. So I, what may have started off is just a, a few individual people playing the game that, that most of us are familiar with. They saw the opportunity and rallied the troops behind them and, and really started to put the hurt to people. Yeah, let's not let's not uh, blow past this idea that they noticed that there was more stocks shorted than were available. So that is to say, when the short position had to go back and buy the stock so they could return them to the people they borrowed, they wouldn't have enough stocks to buy. They, there wouldn't be enough positions. So that created the issue. And so this was just an exploitation of that. So this initially started as what we will say was a high degree of savvy right? From, from this group of people on Reddit. Well, like everything else, it, it spun out of control when it became so popular that people weren't necessarily doing it at the beginning. They were just driving it up and it became this sort of tulip mania thing. It, it became this stick it to hedge funds, this, I don't know what I'm doing, but my uncle told me to do this thing. And that's where we are today. 
So everyone's making fun of on Facebook Live and YouTube Live my scarf. And so I'm going to take it off. They've called it an ascot. They said I'm covering up love bruises. (laughs) 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 This is how the show goes sometimes. So anyway, that's where we are, Dane. Enter Robin Hood. No, not another man who would wear a scarf on a live stream. But the trading service that is trying to democratize trading for everyone. You and I, Dame, are not necessarily, I got to tread carefully here. Actually, how about I speak for myself and you can speak for yourself? Fair. I'm not a big fan of the Robinhood platform. I feel like their marketing and their user experience uh, really preys on people's inexperience and can get them into a lot of trouble, as witnessed by numerous lawsuits, including, and it's a little gross to bring this up, but it is in fact factual. They had one particular user take his own life because of his misunderstanding of the platform and uh, there is pending litigation there. And, and so it's a horrible situation. So Dean, that's my perspective on Robin Hood. Do you want to add a little more pers- uh, perspective to that? Uh, I agree with, with what you said. I think, uh, however, I think I'm going to probably open an account just to try it out and see, uh, see if everything that we have uh, assumed is fairly accurate. And I will be the show's designated uh, uh, test monkey, I guess. Dame, we had a very rare pre-production meeting today in which I called you from my car and I couldn't get the car. It was anyway. Uh, and, And you made the most astute point that I want to be the takeaway for everyone today. And it's this. Uh, you and I went through hours and hours and hours of training and study and testing to become licensed to deal in securities, not in securities, in <laughs> securities. And uh, that allowed us to assist people with making prudent financial decisions. All you got to do now is spend three minutes opening a day trading account. And not only can you make those same decisions we were making for people, but you can make more riskier decisions because of options, contracts, and margin loans and things like that. So uh, that's where we are right now. That We are setting the stage. That has That is what has happened. This week, the last few days, this got so chaotic and so volatile that uh, I lost my train of thought. Robinhood was forced to stop trading in things like GameStop because they didn't have the cash on hand as required by the Security and Exchange Commission to uh, continue to do business because it was spiking so much. And then at settlement, when they would have to possibly make good on on people's uh, transactions, they didn't have enough to cover. So they did what was prudent. And they said, okay, according to what the SEC needs us to do to have on hand, we are going to stop trading here so we can make sure that we can handle all of the obligations we have. And this is where this whole thing spun wildly out of control. You have celebrities, you have Congress people, you have everyone shooting their mouth off as to what this horrible situation is. And we're going to cover the rest of that next after the break right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I almost missed the break there. Almost missed the break. Reeled it in like a pro. All right. So, Dame, do you feel like we have got the foundation down? Yeah, I think you uh, did a very nice job of setting the table for everyone. I I still, and I will say it 10 times during the show and probably during the breaks like this. um, The fundamental point here is the one you made. It's 
you and I and every other financial professional has to get licensed to do these things. And the average consumer can just go in and do it in 10 seconds and put themselves at great risk. Don't misunderstand us. Uh, Pete and I are very much in favor of people being able to take control of their financial lives. However, we had giant sections in our testing, learning about options and option strategies and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, And to think that the uh, average person, I, I don't mean that uh, derisively or derogatorily, can just sign up, connect a bank account, and say, yeah, I want to have options available to me and know what they're doing after reading a Reddit forum. I'm not sure I agree with that. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to look out for the best interests of, of uh, the average person to make sure that they don't inadvertently shoot themselves in the foot or worse. Let's uh, let's pick up from there uh, as we record in three, two, one. And I messed up the segment. I had to restart it. <laughs> That's how the show works. I double clicked. And so that didn't work. Uh, so let me restart. That. <laughs> in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking about the dumpster fire that was GameStop, Robin Hood, hedge fund to American economies this past week. Uh, Dame, at the heart of this uh, situation, you will find the fight between free markets and regulation. You will say that a, a free market system allows the market to find itself, for water to find its level, and all those sorts of things, and everything sorts itself out. Um, and to, I, I guess you and I can both sort of set our positions here. I'm a relatively free market person, but I do believe in the power and importance of regulation. So that is not to say I'm a wild free marketist. I, I am somewhere in the middle. Where do you find yourself? Um, probably somewhere in the middle, but closer to free market uh, side of, of things, of, if, if I were to really think it through. Yeah. So what was really interesting about this, and, and I think it adds some nuance to this, is Elizabeth Warren uh, came out this week and said, the SEC has got to do its job. If it is going to be the police of this particular industry, it needs to make sure that these sorts of things don't happen. And while I don't necessarily disagree, the reason the Robin Hood thing happened was because of the SEC. It happened because they had a capital requirement. The reason they shut down trading is because things got so crazy that they had to follow the SEC regulation. Now, they're not off the hook. I mean, I think Robin Hood is as blame as much as anybody else here because of how they gamified investing and made it feel like gambling. Um, they've created this monster. And as what's become my favorite saying here recently to my children and to all of you, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. And that is what has happened with Robin Hood. They are so loose with the way they try to convince people that they're democratizing money management. They are not. They are gamifying a process to get you addicted to trading, which for many people isn't prudent because they don't have the level of education to pull it off. So that's where we find ourselves. And before we go too much further, I do need to make a note. I am happy for every single amateur mom and pop investor who just made a ton of money. I'm very happy for you. I am not jealous of you. It's not sour grapes. I am Mr. Old Man Gripey, but I'm very excited for you. Here's what terrifies me. Uh, I think that ship has sailed and it's all the people trying to jump aboard now 
that are going to get in big trouble because if those people haven't taken their earnings, if they haven't taken their gains, man, it's going to be a long ride down and they're not going to know when to get out. I, I was going to hopefully make the very similar point that uh, a lot of people think they've made a lot of money, but they haven't because they haven't sold anything yet. Just because you see a balance in your account that says you've got thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars more than you had when you started with, doesn't mean you've realized any of that yet. The, the sale has to go through before you can say, yeah, I made out big time on that trade. So, uh, oh, by the way, you're going to owe taxes on that too. Surprise. Yeah. The, the, the excellent point, right? It, the, the amateur investor, this is not, uh, this is not as snooty as it sounds. The amateur investor oftentimes does not set tax mm -hmm. obligations back and then they find themselves in trouble. You know, it's, it, that's such a great point, Dame, this idea that, um, you know, certain people who understand the market, when the market gets killed and you, and their retirement account gets killed, it doesn't actually matter because they didn't sell. And so therefore they didn't lose money. And, and, and sometimes people hear that and they, they're dismissive of it and they think, Oh, I didn't lose money. No, no, no. You didn't lose money until you sell just as all these people who think they're absolutely loaded aren't at all until they sell. And there's a huge disconnect there where people are going to get burned. So we are about to play my favorite game, win, lose or jail. Dame, here's how this works. We're going to go through each entity involved in this. We are going to say six months from now, will this be a group of winners? Will it be a group of losers? And is there any risk that these entities go to jail? All right. All right. So let's begin with hmm, GameStop. Six months from now, will GameStop, a brick and mortar video game store that my son insists we go into every time we're actually in a physical location that is called a mall in the year 2019, will they be losers six months from now, Dave? Winners or jail? Definitely not jail. Okay, not jail. They did nothing wrong. No, they're, they're just along for their, and uh, frankly, uh, their executives that get compensated with some stock, I'm sure, are just loving this at this point. If if they can get rid of it uh, while it's while it's high, probably restricted. I'm probably restricted, but maybe they'll figure a way around that. I have no idea. Um, I think if they can make some fancy financial decisions between now and six months from now, they might come out winners. If they can't figure out how to leverage the uh, the increased value in their stock price, they're going to be losers. I think if they leverage or able to leverage any of this capital by maybe issuing more shares where then they actually get to keep the proceeds for that, mm -hmm. I think they could potentially pivot their business to a more digital centric business that, that, that eliminates the need for brick and mortar. And that gives them the possibility of winning, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to, with all due respect, I'm going to put them in the loser camp six months from now. All right. I agree. Okay. Next up, we're going to go with the original people on Reddit who started this six months from now, winners, losers, or jail. I think it's going to be a mixed bag there. I, some of them are going to be jail. Some of them are going to be um, winners because they cashed out in time and kept their mouth shut. Um, There'll be some losers because they, they hold on, they, they ride it all the way down and they just because they, 
they've fully bought into their dream and it's going to be $10,000 per share or, or bust. Um, so I think it's going to be a mixed bag there, but it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I think you're going to see mo- mostly winners of the original group, right? Of, of Reddit. But I think, and this is where I've spent a lot of time in the last day or so, uh, stewing on this, talking to other friends of ours in the industry. Dame, if there were financial advisors who were, um, anonymously participating in this market manipulation. Is it technically a legal market manipulation? It is if you're anonymously posting and you're a financial advisor who has to follow the rules of the SEC. I think those folks, when someone asked the question on Facebook Live, how can they be in jail? Aren't they anonymous? Well, they're already being exposed. I mean, this is uh, 2021. There was an article already this morning about a financial advisor a 34-year-old uh, who worked for a large firm who is no longer working for that large firm who had a who started with $52,000 in his account and is now worth $48 million because of this situation and it's because of his knowledge and insight of how these things work that he then created uh, mania for people to join him and he 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 did something allegedly that we call front running that's where you make a transaction with knowledge knowing, knowledge knowing, that's right, I went to college, uh, that you can make the price increase of the security uh, because you have some sort of insider knowledge. And, and in this case, it's a bit of a stretch, Dane, but what I'm saying is if he's participating in this mob mentality and in and, 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 and stoking the fires of this mania, I think it could be argued that that is front running. I don't know. I, he's going to, they're going to have to prove that he did something to uh, mislead people or provided uh, bad information. I, I'm not sure. I, that's what I think this whole case is going to hinge on for the people that others think will, will need to go to jail is that what did they do that was illegal? And I'm, I'll love to see the case. I don't think any individual non-investment advisor did anything illegal. I just don't. But I do think you're going to see a lot of SEC violations for people in the industry and that may not put them in jail necessarily. It could, but it will absolutely get them fined. Uh, Zonda asked on Facebook, is this like the Martha Stewart thing? No, not really, because Martha Stewart uh, traded on inside information and she wasn't a registered investment advisor. So it's a different situation. Dame, coming up after the break, more win, lose, or jail. I'm Pete the Planner. Barely hit that break. Just- Lori, good morning from Alaska. Well, hello, Alaska, Lori. Can we call her Alaska Lori? Is it really good morning when it's still dark? That's a good point. Um, yeah, Dame, the thing that drives me craziest about this is how people are both really angry at the SEC and because they're not preventing Robin Hood from... Uh, people are mad at the SEC because Robin Hood is shutting down trading and, and they're upset the SEC isn't doing anything about that. But the reason Robinhood is shutting down trading is because of the SEC. Right. Yeah. They didn't have a choice. I've, I saw somebody uh, say, well, why didn't they shut down trading for everything? Well, it, it wasn't all the stocks that were causing the issues and volatility and, and requirements for them. So they shut down the ones that were going to be an issue and continued to let everything else trade freely. So I understand the frustration. 
I do. I get it. People are, are trying to take advantage of a moment in time to better their financial lives and potentially the financial lives of generations to come. At least that's what they think. And they couldn't do it. But it was because Robin Hood was following the law. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner Show, it's the GameStop Robin Hood SEC Extravaganza Battle Royale. Dame, back in the day when WWE was WWF, and I don't mean uh, World Wildlife Federation, but I mean men in tights, not like Robin Hood, fighting on a mat. Did you enjoy the Royal Rumble where there's a bunch of people in the ring and they throw each other over the top? It was the greatest. There was nothing better when you were a kid. I tell you what, I stumbled into a bar uh, unknowingly about to witness a royal rumble on their big screens it was a a chicken wing place you you may know no free sponsorships here sure uh and the the people there were just going nuts they'd play the intro music and just people screaming it was a great experience Mm. speaking of screaming and playing music dane we're playing win lose or jail as we look at all of the players in this uh, scenario with the GameStop, robin hood the sec hedge funds and the like last off we talked about the original reddit posts posters posters po- people who posts about this and then we got into financial advisors who were involved with this how about dame people who just caught wind of this this week and decided to invest six months from now are we looking at a sack of winners, a sack of losers, or none of those people are going to jail? Oh, no. None of them are going to jail. It's it's going to be a mixed bag there, too. If you if you get out uh, when things are good, you're going to be a big winner. If you uh, ride it all the way down or you wait too long, I, I don't think it's going to take very long for the, the, the balloon to deflate in this case. Uh, you may look at your, your phone uh, in the morning and check it later in the afternoon and find out that uh, you're underwater. So there's going to be some losers, big, big losers here, too. All right, SEC, winners, losers, or going to jail, which also doesn't make sense. Six months from now, how will people look at the SEC? I assume, Dame, oh, by the way, I, I agree with you on the late investors. I think you'll see mo- mainly losers there with some winners who, who, who have the wherewithal to get out at the top-ish. SEC, Dame, people always have different opinions on the SEC. Everyone on both sides actually hates the SEC. Like, no one actually likes the SEC. No one in the industry no retail investor no one does what, what's the view of the sec six months from now it's going to be a push it's going to be roughly the same now as or then as it as it is now and if they are able to uh, bring some legitimate cases against people who would rightfully deserve them then i think they'll they'll get a gold star that will quickly be forgotten about and if they do nothing then people will continue to be angry which is the uh, preferred mode of most people these days and uh, they'll continue to complain Dame, do you remember the Brian uh, Adams song, Everything I Do, I Do For You, from the Robin Hood movie uh, yes. back in like 1990 or so? Uh, Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman? Yeah. yeah. Next on to Robin Hood. Will they be winners, losers, or will they be in jail? Will there be a men in tights in the penitentiary? What do you think? I think there may be some fines, but there's that nobody's going to go to prison over this. Do you think they will be considered losers six months from now in terms of their business model? They were planning an initial public offering this year, and this is a lot of negative PR. I mean, unless you're PT Barnum, uh, 
you know, it's hard to get away with this level of negative attention and still have the most exciting thing in your company history this year, which is an initial public offering. I think that's the really interesting question is what happens to their IPO should they go through with it. Now, we had a story a couple of weeks ago where uh, Robinhood is really contemplating changing things up a little bit to try and attract um, new investors, um, females particularly. Uh, trust issues aren't going to go over very well uh, with anybody, let alone female investors. Uh, so they may have to really go back to the drawing board about what they want their business to look like if it has to um, be enhanced in a whole bunch of different ways to offer more services that are more traditional, I guess, maybe uh, to, to make them look a lot more like uh, everybody else in the space. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the IPO. But uh, if, if they do it right, they may come out as a winner on this one, but it's probably going to be a push. So I was doing a uh, interview on the Fox affiliate in Indianapolis, Indiana today, Fox 59 with my friend, Angela Ganote, one of the best. And, and she asked me, she, she, in the interview, she hit one of my hot buttons. She said, uh, well, Dave Portnoy for, from Barstool Sports says that people should go to jail over this. And, and he was theoretically talking about Robin Hood for shutting down the ability for people to make trades on this. And um, that's just not happening. I mean, it's just, it's just not happening because they did it for SEC regulation. Also, when you sign up for a brokerage account, there's actual documentation that says these sorts of things can happen. I mean, everyone who has an account, if they had read it, would read it. Uh, read it. Yeah. If they had read it, would know that not only was this possible, but even if it happened, then they didn't really have the, 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 uh, ability to litigate against them. Hey, you go to arbitration. Right. Yeah. I think you've got uh, Robinhood will be big losers on this. I think it will definitely negatively impact their uh, IPO. And I think it will lead to more regulation of margin accounts for amateur investors. Now, Here's the thing, Dame. You and I, when I was trying to attempt to talk on my in my car on my phone, and it got better, we asked this question: How do you regulate this? How, how do you how do you go to an investor and say, "Well, you can't use an options account unless"? So there's two ways: they can be an accredited investor, which means you got a lot of scratch, or you can pass some sort of certification to do it, which was something that you said. Do you think either of those things happen? I'd love to see them. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'd love to see them happen. Uh, will they in a short period of time, six months? No, def definitely not six months. But I, I think you have to be an educated investor when you're going to start messing with some of these more complicated instruments. Just because you can read a forum and follow somebody's instructions doesn't mean it's in your best interest. You got to know what you're doing. I mean, the the standard piece of financial advice that you and I have heard a million times is you don't invest in anything you don't understand. And how many people do you think that invested in some of these options could explain how they function and how they actually make money? Not many. What about the hedge funds six months from now, the, the ones that were directly involved with this? Losers, winners, jail. What do you got? Uh there's going to be some losers for sure. I mean, we've already seen some of them are, are shifting to uh, looking at long opportunities instead of uh, using shorts going forward. So it, it's going to force a lot of hedge funds, even ones that didn't get caught up in this, to reevaluate 
how they uh, perceive opportunities in the market and how they're going to try and make their profits for their clients going forward. And I, I think some of them are going to really, really abandon some of the, the option strategies that they've leaned on for a while. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of losers in that space. And I would also say hedge funds, people people think they're only for wealthy people. That's not necessarily true. They're for institutions or for organizations that have a lot of money to invest, which is to say there's a lot of teachers' pensions, public workers' pensions, where there's small percentages of those funds invested in hedge funds. So theoretically, if a hedge fund went kaput, you could actually see like state pensions suffer because of it. As I said on Twitter earlier today, by the way, quoting yourself on what some of you said on Twitter is one of the lamest things you can possibly say on the radio. But I did point out there are not necessarily good guys and bad guys or good people and bad people in the financial industry. It's not that binary. It's really complex. I know it's really uh, in vogue to hate the rich, to hate the wealthy, and that they've somehow done something wrong. And, and I, I get the disenfranchisement. I, I, I get it. And if you feel marginalized, you know, you're entitled to feel however you like. However, it's just not that easy because uh, very sound institutions invest in uh, hedge funds that also happen to um, benefit the masses. Someone did ask on, I want to hit this before we go to the break. Someone asked on Facebook, where's the accountability, culpability of the dark web Reddit mob? Um, I will say the mob mentality led to this, but I, I have a hard time seeing that they did anything wrong. I mean, they took advantage of an anomaly um, I don't I, believe me. I'm not the first one to say I like Reddit or anything like that. But I don't think they did anything wrong. Do you, Dame? Uh, it's going to be hard to pin it on any one person, but we've looked at how the the internet's been used for situations like this in the past, and it's really hard to put accountability on anyone. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. Oh, it's a good one, Dame. Mrs. Planner told me about it. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. Did we hit all the parties, the, all the entities? Oh, Shanna just said on Facebook, and I actually, I wanted to say this on the show, and I might when we come back, this could happen again and again and again. Not necessarily. This was, I thought that too, but I started looking into it. And I, I don't want to overuse perfect storm here, Dame. But this happened to be some degree of a perfect storm where because of the number of short shares outstanding compared to the short the shares available, that's what allowed a short squeeze to take place. And it was sort of a very public known thing. Now, there are a few other entities that are in this situation that are sort of hashing themselves out right now, but it's less likely um, that this happens again going forward. Sure. I, we may see uh, unexplainable run-ups in, in stock prices of companies that we've long since forgotten about because they're very thinly traded and you've got enough people that are making the market behind it that, uh, yeah, you, you may see something pop that, that you just shake your head and go, what in the world is going on there? And there's only a handful of people that will make out in those cases. But in a situation like this, Pete, as you mentioned, this is a perfect storm where everything lined up, people noticed it, took advantage of it. And we're going to see where things fall out at this point. It's not over. Aaron may ask the most essential question here. Is there any functional difference between the Reddit mob and an investment club of 100,000 people? Well, functional difference. I mean, there's a practical difference, but there's really no functional difference, right? 
No, I, I can't see it. I think the group of people that used the freedom they had to make individual trades based on their own decision-making process, if they <laughs> chose to go off of uh, what somebody said on Reddit or just follow the momentum in the markets. I mean, momentum trading is a legit strategy that people use. Um, I, I don't see how, how this functions any different. Uh, I'll say this, and and I'm choosing my words carefully. For the better part of a year, Dave Portnoy, the Barstool CEO, has been posting trade tips on Twitter uh, and other social media that essentially acts in the same capacity of trying to to stoke market interest and legally or illegally participates in market manipulation. So this idea that that mobs can all get together and drive a price up, that can absolutely happen. Um, and, and that is a little bit scary because it can offset the rest of the markets. Like this week, the market has not been great because of things like this. Yeah, Apple had a the best quarter ever and they're, they're down like five, five, six, seven percent. So it's it's been pretty off-putting to the market as a whole. Got a text from my mom. What's a Reddit? Hmm. I don't know how to answer that. All right. In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is... Oh, damn. It just occurred to me. It went away. I had my story. Oh, there it is. Okay. Here we go. Subway's tuna sandwich is not tuna. It's a mixture of various concoctions, a lawsuit alleges. This is not surprising. Well, it isn't surprising, but the only reason I can read this story is because I haven't had one in well over a decade. And so it doesn't make me feel gross. You know, Subway does describe its freshly baked bread or a sandwich as a, uh, a sandwich filled with freshly baked bread, layered with flaked tuna, blended with creamy mayo, then topped with your choice of crisp, fresh veggies. That's, that's how they market the sandwich. But Dame, this, this lawsuit says it's not fish. The tuna salad is uh, sandwich is not actually fish. Uh, there is not a, uh, a seafood product within the uh, sandwich. And this has people uh, freaking out a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and say a bunch of allegedly's, allegedly's, reportedly's. You know how we do around here. Um, that's the biggest waste of money of the week. If you've eaten a tuna sandwich that isn't tuna. They don't say what's in it. Is it like, like the secret ingredients at KFC? I was waiting to see that. Well, it's like uh, it's like calamari. A lot of times, isn't actually calamari. I think it's like haddock or something like that. You better put your scarf back on if you're going to start talking like that. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Dame, what's in the news this week other than GameStop and Reddit? Existing home sales for 2020 reached their highest level since 2006 as more Americans sought larger living spaces as they adopted work from home policies. We, we know this. However, existing home sales, which include transactions of single family homes, townhomes, condos, co-ops, they increased 22.2% year over year, according to the National Association of Realtors. Home sales for December increased 0.7% from November to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 6.76 million. Okay, get to the point, Damien. I, I can hear the wheel spinning in your, your head. The U.S. housing market has highlighted a growing disparity between upper and lower income Americans exacerbated by COVID-19 as the owners of homes with 
uh, worth more than $100,000 welcomed a hot seller's market while the owners of less expensive homes saw a decline in sales. The stark contrast between upper and lower income Americans strengthens the view that the U.S. will see a K-shaped recovery in its economy as it bounces back from COVID-19. So, Pete, percent change in sales from a year ago by price range. We'll play a quick little game here. Oh, I love games. All right? Okay. Houses valued between zero and $100,000. Positive, uh, I, negative, you want to put a, a percentage on it, go ahead. Up 5%. Down 15.3. I am not good at this game. 100 to 250. Up 5%. Up 5.7%. Oh, I'm great at this game. We're going to count that as one for one or one for two right there. 250 to $500,000. 13% up. 36. Ooh. 500 to 750. 22%. 64.6. Whoa. 750 to a million. Oh, this is getting out. Now I'm getting nervous. 35%. 76.3%. What? Yes. And over a million, Pete. 200%. 93.6. That's crazy, man. Yeah, totally crazy. So Mrs. Planner and I, every year when we have our annual financial meeting, I'm a lot of fun to be married to, ladies, uh, we'll pull the valuation of our home off of Zillow, knowing that it's not necessarily accurate. No offense, Zillow, but we'll just do it because at least it's consistent, right? It's the same source. Let me just say, Dame. The uh, the Zillow was friendly to the valuation of our home this year. Well, congratulations to your paper gain. Yeah. <laughs> A touche. What else is in the news? <laughs> uh, the world's first exchange-traded fund for psychedelic drug companies will debut this week in Toronto, Canada. Of course. The Horizon Psychedelic Stock uh, ETF listed as PSYK Psych. Oh. Is expected to start trading Wednesday on the NEO exchange, and it'll track the North American Psychedelics Index. Companies that work with drugs containing compounds such as uh, psilocybin, that word was way harder to pronounce. I practice that a lot. Uh, the substance of magic mushrooms that produces psychedelic effects are multiplying, and some early stage investors are betting that drugs could disrupt the $70 billion market for mental health treatment. You know, I got to say... Uh, this isn't a gateway drug conversation, but I do feel like once you start to um, decriminalize certain drugs uh, like marijuana has been, it, it does make you ask the question, why not other types of things, right? I mean, th that you would think that is a, a emerging market, so to speak, if you believe in decriminalization. We'll see how things go. I think uh, Oregon potentially, if I remember right, may have just legalized all sorts of stuff in this last election. So it'll be fun to watch and see what happens there. Dame, I did want to mention, because I forgot, I, I, I know I didn't want to talk anymore about GameStop and Reddit, but I did see probably the most objectionable comment ever from a legendary investment uh, advi advi investor. I think it was like Leon Cooperman or something like that. Maybe I should look it up because I've just, just, I'm about to say a horrible comment and I've just associated <laughs> with his name. Dane, why don't you give me one more story so I can verify this? Because I'm not looking to have any litigation this week. General Motors pledged Thursday to eliminate tailpipe emissions from new light-duty vehicles by 2035 and to make its global products and operations carbon neutral by 2040. 
where it's not possible to remove emissions in its products and operations in the next 20 years, the automaker said it will compensate by using carbon credits. GM plans to introduce new uh, 30 new electric vehicles by 2025 and will spend 27 billion American dollars on electric and autonomous technologies to get there. GM also said they would use 100% renewable energy to power U.S. facilities by 2030 and for global facilities by 2035, five years ahead of its previous goal. I think that's great news. Um, I, I, have, I found it unexpected. And I, I, I don't know. I, it just, it felt, it felt unexpected. With all the regulatory rollbacks under the Trump administration that, that were really meant to uh, take those companies off the hook, for them to voluntarily go the other direction is just a bit surprising to me, frankly. Yeah, I think they, they're seeing... Uh the writing on the wall for internal combustion engines at this point and saying, you know what, we're, we're going, because it seems like the last six months, uh, car manufacturers have really jumped into this uh, head first. Do you feel weird at all saying that with all the vintage car posters behind you in your studio? No, it's just progress. I mean, these some of these cars behind me were uh, revolutionary when they came out, and this is just the, the next step. I was revolutionary when I came out. Boy, that didn't come out right. I'm going to... Just keep going. Billy, Billy, billionaire investor Leon Cooperman said, quote, the reason the market is doing what it's doing is people are sitting at home getting their checks from the government, basically trading for no commissions and no interest rates. Boy, I don't like to call people names. I, I don't. But that's terrible, Dame. That's a that's a real bad hot take. Yeah, that might have been a little uh, out of touch. I. I'm concerned about the financial stability of people trading right now, but I'm not. Here's the difference. I'm not making them the villain. This isn't their fault. They're doing nothing wrong ethically. I think they're on the verge of making giant financial mistakes, but they're not doing anything wrong to Leon Cooperman. Like that doesn't even make sense to me. No, I, I don't understand. That seems like very misplaced anger to me. You know, and maybe we'll end with this as we, we got a minute left. Dame, still a lot of anger out there. I don't know if you knew this. Really? Yeah. Pain is not at a, at a uh, premium these days. Uh, everyone's got some level of pain, uh, economic pain, fear, whatever, social pain, like it's out there and it's, it's, it, it's convenient to try to find a person or an entity or, or a group of people who you can direct that pain and anger at. And I get that. It's, it feels pragmatic. I'm not so sure how helpful that is. Uh, and that's not to say deal with it. That's not the direction I'm going. I just think the cynicism is getting a bit too thick <laughs> these days. Uh, and, it, and it's not real helpful. So hopefully, conclusion of the show, this GameStop situation settles down and not too many people get hurt. Dame, Dame thanks for all your research on the show this week. Really appreciate it. Sending you all good vibes because good vibes are all this in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. I, mean, I hit the post all four segments, despite the fact that I just got yappy this entire show. Your producer's going to be so proud of you. Maybe. All right, Dame. Um, you taking the rest of the afternoon off? What do you got? Uh, I might have uh, something to do, but uh, I'm going to take the afternoon off. So, I, But I, I do have one more current event for the people that are still with us. Can we do a special edition uh, podcast of one last current event? Yes, the last current event. This is Dame. Uh, this is for podcast listeners only and the live stream people only because we've just cut the radio audience out. So feel free to participate in this. Uh, there will be a 
crowd participation moment. So uh, attempts to break into ATMs and steal cash more than doubled in the U.S. last year as some criminals took advantage of civil unrest in cities and others targeted the larger than usual amounts of cash stocked in machines when banks closed due to the coronavirus pandemic. We saw it all from hand tools to explosives to vehicle attacks, said Jack Burns, vice president of ATM security for Cardtronics. A bank machine can hold. Okay, this is where I need the crowd participation. How much money does a ATM hold? Pete, uh, feel free to guess here. How much money do, do, do i get to know the denomination of bills or do i have to come up with that myself no just total money don't uh, don't go with uh bills or denominations just tell me how much money an atm typically holds and then when an atm is successfully stolen how much money do they get away with okay I, okay i have to say from out of the box here i'm going to embarrass myself right now because i'm going to i'm going to miss this very badly i'm going with 60 thousand dollars i want to tell you some of the other guesses we're seeing right now on the live stream nick jackson goes with a million maybe never mind nick's gonna embarrass himself uh <laughs> caleb at thirty thousand. oz at 50 Brittany must have googled this eight thousand five fifty. i don't know it seems a little low but she's probably right daniel says 20 jameson uh all-time best listener of the show ever twelve thousand. ATM uh, can hold 10,000, according to man. Some of y'all have Googled this. What do you think, Dame? All right, here we go. Bank machine can hold up to a couple hundred thousand dollars. Smaller ones at convenience stores can have up to $20,000. And during last spring's pandemic lockdown, ATMs that normally held 50 grand might have contained 100 because banks and credit unions urge customers to use machines instead of going into the branches. Now, many attempts to steal these things fail. Okay. But if they are successful, the average take is $83,000. All right. So, Dame, I don't want you to read too much into this question. And I want you just to answer it as honestly as you could. If you were to steal $83,000 from an ATM this weekend, what would you do with that $83,000? Uh, You're overthinking it. Yeah, I am. I don't know. I, I the. Buy a new minivan. You know what I would do? A new minivan. (laughs) Such a dad answer. Here's what I would do. I'd go to another ATM and deposit it into my account because no bank is going to look at an $83,000 cash uh, deposit on the news of another ATM getting ripped off the exact same amount of money. They will not look at that with any degree of scrutiny. Nor will they have any requirements to report such a large deposit over eight times the amount that they would have to report. Good call, Pete. Jameson, this is why he's the listener of all time. Open yeah. a Robinhood account. And yeah. there we go. We have to end the show on that. Uh, Dame, I love your brother, even though you're not my brother. But I just, you know, it's like a, hey, bro. Oh, not related. Stand up so that people can see that. Well, let me let me go in on you only here. So the layout. Not related. Damien and I, not related. He got so sick of when we'd be in uh, meetings, business meetings, We'd go around and introduce our executive team if we were having like a big meeting. And I said, I'm Peter. Now this is Damien Dunn. And then I, I would always just way too quick, no relation. And so Dame got a shirt that says no relation. Ew. Okay. That's all I got. Uh, Dame, have a good week. Uh, everybody, thanks for taking time with us. Damien and I really appreciate your friendship. And uh, 
the community that you all have created. So have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.